0: Well, good morning. It's great to have you here. Uh, if you're joining us online, welcome as well. As Elizabeth mentioned this morning, we are wrapping up our series called Cut the Bull. And we've been trying to look at different areas of our lives that if we, if we don't get real honest with ourselves and maybe look real carefully at our lives, if we don't get these figured out, uh, they can destroy us. They can mess us up. They can really just uh, wreak havoc on our lives. And so the very first week, we talked about making excuses. Then we talked about complaining. Uh, last week, we talked about fear. And then this morning, we're going to wrap it up talking about comparing. And the things that we compare, and actually it just worked out great that just this last week uh, I stepped into one of the biggest compare environments uh, around Um, And if you start thinking, I wonder what environment he stepped into that had a lot of comparing Uh, There might be some examples, there's some examples that might just jump to your mind Uh, You might think I was at a bodybuilding contest, right? Because there's a a lot of comparing going on there Men running around in bikini bottoms trying to figure out who has the most defined deltoids and firmest buttocks. I just did a hand signal there. That was bad. Um, Maybe you think I was at the county fair for an apple pie contest, right? A lot of comparing there, like who has the flakiest crust or sweet and tart apples or, you know, Myrtle's crumble is to die for, whatever. Like, nope, I wasn't at either of those. Some other obvious compare environments that you think I might have been at. uh, I could have been at a fishing derby or a car rally or a mime convention there is a lot of, like, who is the best at being trapped in that box. But um, I was at something where there was a lot of comparing. I was at a pastor's retreat this last week. <laughs> and at a pastor's retreat, what's going on is everyone is working really, really hard to act like the only thing they care about is what Jesus thinks about their church. But along the way, there's lots of dropping in hints like, oh, guess how much candy we're giving away at our trunk or tree. Oh, we've had to go to a third service because it's so crowded. Others are saying, well, I spent all month praying for those of you pastors that are discouraged from your failures. There was some other jerk at the conference that I was at running around. <laughs> what? Some There was there's, there's this jerk at the one that I was at running around showing off pictures of their new LED wall. <laughs> People got really tired of that one. But anyway... Um, pastors, we, we run around and we compare our programs and we compare, compare our ministries and all, oh, my staff does this or my staff doesn't do that. And we try to drop in like our service attendance, you know, and we, we, we give our Easter attendance numbers pretending like they weren't looking for the average number, you know, we just, and we're constantly comparing. And the problem is when we compare, it doesn't help. Because when we compare, we either feel good because we're doing better than somebody else, or we feel bad because we don't match up to somebody else. And this isn't, doesn't, doesn't just happen to pastors, it happens to a lot of us in life when we begin to compare. And we find ourselves either creating false confidence or creating a poor feeling of self-worth. So what I want to talk this morning about, I want to start by just looking at some categories where we compare. What are the categories in our lives where we tend to compare things? And, and you could probably break these down into different categories or different labels, but I think there's four categories that are good for us to start looking in our lives to see, am I comparing in this area? And beginning to really process and become wise about looking at our lives. So the first category where we tend to compare is we compare possessions. Have you ever bought a a new car? Or maybe you just got a car that was new to you. And you get that new car and you're like, I feel so unique and so special and look at my cool ride. And then all of a sudden you start to notice Everyone else is driving this car. It's like everywhere. Suddenly, you didn't see it. Now, suddenly, you own that car, and it's everywhere. You're like, uh. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's with your house, and you're like, oh, they have four bedrooms, and we only have three bedrooms. Oh, look at that family. They have a postage-size yard, right? There's just a postage-stamp yard, and we've got so much space. Our kids have a better yard. You could make the mistake, and you go to the home show or the Street of Dreams, and then you never appreciate what God has given you again, right? Because it's like, what is the deal? But, but we find ourselves comparing our possessions and what we have. So on that little line next to the word possessions, I just want to challenge you. On a scale of zero, never, to ten all the time, write down how often do you compare possessions? How often? Where do you find yourself? Zero to ten. Second category to think about is that we compare appearance, All the time, we're kind of like a lot of times we're looking around and we're comparing, like, how do I appear compared to the other people? This last week, Elizabeth, she went to this pastor's retreat with me. I cannot tell you the number of times that women came up to her and they were like, your curls are amazing. In fact, we had one gal that came up to Elizabeth and said, I have hair envy. And then it always, I don't know how many times I heard, it, is it a flat iron? Do you wash it? Do you dry it? What product do you use? I was like, come on, it's just a curl, ladies. <laughs> Guys, we don't have the same problem. We're just comparing whether we have hair or don't have hair. <laughs> when I was 24, I had a guy that walked up to me, and he goes, hey, don't worry about it, buddy. A lot of us have thinning hair. It happens to the best of us. I have the same amount of hair today as I had at 24. But now this guy's had me worried about hair loss for like 20 years. And we, we just find ourselves comparing. And I don't know about other guys here. I mean, I'll just admit for myself, I walk into a room and I start to evaluate every guy in the room. I'm like, oh yeah, I could take that guy in a fist fight. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, that guy I'm gonna have to talk my way out of it. So I kind of have, I know where I'm at. But we're, we compare appearances. So on a scale of 0 to never to 10 all the time what is it for you where where, how do you rate in terms of evaluate yourself where do you compare or how often do you compare appearances then the third category that we need to look about is performance maybe you look at your job and you're like oh my sales numbers i am killing it and that guy in that other region i am destroying him i look so much better than that guy or maybe you're a mom and as a mom, you look around, and you're like, oh, man, that mom over there, she's, got, she's still got both of her earrings in, and her kids' faces are all wiped clean. <laughs> I'm a terrible mother, right? And now moms have this new pressure. I don't know, but the new pressure that moms are all under about posting their, their real-life posts, right? Their, here's my real-life post. Like, one mom will post, like, oh, man, my kid just poured cereal all over the floor. And then the next mom's like, oh, my kid just poured cereal in the toilet, and then the next mom's like, my kid just ate cereal out of the toilet. And it's just like, they, they've got all the hashtag real life because they're so... And we compare all of these different aspects of performance in our life. So on a scale of zero never to ten all the time, how often do you find yourself comparing performance? And then the last category where we tend to compare is we just tend to compare circumstances. Maybe we look and somebody else, man, they've take, they're taking another trip to Disneyland? Man, and for you, it just the timing has never worked out, or you've never had enough money, or whatever. And and people are now starting to post pictures of their kids at different ages with Mickey Mouse. And you've got pictures of your kids playing mouse trap, and you're like, what? God, come on, this isn't. We deserve a trip to the happiest place on earth. God, why is it not working out? Maybe it's relationships. Ladies, maybe you look and it seems like, oh man, everybody else's husband, they're bringing them flowers and they do the dishes and they iron clothes. Guys, we look at our wives and we're like, our wives are perfect. That's all I got on that one. We're just going (laughs) to, that's all I got. We're just going to leave it right there. (laughs) But it could be anything, right? Whatever your situation is, wherever you're at right now in life, you're like, ah, that's not where I thought I would be. And we can look at people that we graduated with or maybe we, people we've worked with in the past and we're like, man, God, I don't, I don't get it. Why have they gotten all the breaks? And why can't I catch a break? Why can't I get to this place? And so we look at different circumstances and we compare. And so on a scale, again, of zero never to 10 all the time, how do you compare? Do you compare circumstances? And the problem is, is that we have the ability to be so connected now we have email, and obviously we have social media, and our availability of transportation. Like, we can go so many places and see so many people that, that we can see all of these different people and see what everybody's doing, and see how well it's going in their life, and see what they have, and see their accomplishments, and see what's achieved. And because all of that is so easy to find, what we have to begin to be aware of and begin to recognize is the danger of Comparison and how dangerous it can be in our lives if we don't get a grip on this, and if we allow ourselves to continue to compare. Uh, One of the things I try to do each week is I try to get to a couple of classes at the rec center, uh, and one of the classes that I go to often is called Synergy, and Synergy is uh, this class that combines a bunch of like yoga moves, and Pilates, and stretching, and I, I, it's kind of a goofy class, but I feel way better if I get there often. I just, my body feels better. I don't seem to have as many aches and pains and stiffness. If I, if I can get to this class, those things seem to be reduced. Um, but there's a real danger for me. There's a danger at Synergy if I start paying attention and start comparing to other people in the class. For starters, I'm often the only dude in the class, <laughs> which is a little embarrassing. Um, but every, day, every time we're in synergy, there's this, there's this one stretch that they have us do where we basically, we sit on the ground, we put our legs out, and then we put them as wide, and we sit up as straight as we can. And then the goal is, is to bend forward. We take a deep breath, and they're like, now fold forward. And I watch everybody else in the class, and they actually fold forward. But my legs are so inflexible. If somebody is watching the class, they're like, I think that guy just missed the instruction because i barely go forward at all and these other these ladies are like their well, faces are flat on the ground or they're like 45 degrees and i'm sitting up basically straight and if i were to start comparing to how they're all i'd be like i look ridiculous I, I recognize i look ridiculous but if i were actually to begin to process and be like well i can't be like them and that's not gonna work, i would never show up for class again And that would be dangerous for my health and for my body because that class just helps me feel so much better physically. And so we have to figure out how to avoid comparisons because when we don't avoid comparisons, it becomes dangerous in our lives. So let me give you some thoughts that we need to make aware of and we need to make these a part of who we are. And so the first thought is this. The first thought is just recognizing that comparison is the death of contentment. Your lack of contentment, my lack of contentment comes when we continue to compare. And it makes our lives miserable. And it makes us unpleasant people to be around. An early church leader by the name of Paul, he spoke about this in a letter that he wrote. It's going to be on the screen and it's in your message notes. This is what he wrote to the Corinthian church. He said this. He said, "We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, <laughs> that's confusing. They are not wise. They are not wise. Now, when he uses that word, dare, have you know, You never use the word dare with a polite tone, right? When you when you use the word dare, there's always a touch of attitude to it, right? There's a bit, there's a bit of a challenge in the word dare, like like you would never in a polite way say. I don't even know how to do it. Don't you dare come in here, right? We, we, we spice it up a little bit, right? Don't you dare come in here. If, I just want to challenge you really quickly. Turn to your neighbor, and in the most polite tone possible, say, I dare you, or don't you dare come in here. Say that in the most, go ahead, real quick. In the most polite, t- don't you dare, say it really politely. Don't. Okay, okay. Now try it and spice it up a little bit with some attitude. Try it now. See, you're way better at the second one. We're way better. And that's what Paul is doing. Paul is saying, listen, don't you dare. Listen, don't you dare give in to comparing. Don't do it. He's like, if you do, if you dare to compare, what's going to happen is it's going to kill the joy in your life. And it's going to rob you of the meaning of life. And it's going to destroy your marriage. And it's going to ruin your relationships. And he's like, I challenge you. He's like, with attitude, he's saying, don't do it. And then he ends the whole thing by saying, listen, if you compare, if you take that chance and you do it, it is not wise. Which is basically a really polite way to say, you're stupid if you do it. He's like, I dare you, don't do it. I dare you not to do it. And if you do, you're dumb. Because if you do, what's going to happen is, it's, you're going to begin to feel inferior, or you're going to feel superior and you're going to mess up your life. It's not about balancing all of that out. He's ultimately going to say, listen, what, what is successful isn't about being one of those things and comparing. It's about being who God wants you to be. Success is you and I figuring out who God has called us to be, not about comparing to other people and saying, oh, I'm better than that person. Oh, I don't live up to that person. Because when we compare, basically what we end up doing is we, we build a mirage around that other person. We look at somebody else's life, and we're like, you know what? I look at their life, and I'm like, oh, man, she's got such a great personality, or she's so funny, and I really wish I was like that. Why can't I be more like that? Or, oh, man, look at his hair. His hair is so cool, I really, or he has hair. I really wish, oh, man, that guy is in good shape. Man, I, if I could just get to the gym more often like that, oh, why can't I be like that? Why does their spouse treat them so well? Oh, man, if our kids could only behave like that, how do they get their kids to behave like that? It's so amazing. Whether it's our house or whether it's our car or whatever it is, we begin to create this mirage that's not true, that isn't the whole picture, and we build this mirage about other people, and we're like, I wish I could be like that. It's just not the reality, because if you could see the whole thing, there's other stuff. We find ourselves wishing we were something that we're not. And ultimately, it doesn't lead to successful life. It doesn't lead to us finding purpose. It doesn't find us, help us lead, learn meaning in our lives. Because ultimately, it doesn't help us become who God wants us to be and who God has called us to be. And so we can't spend our lives looking at this mirage of other people and what we create in our lives and comparing ourselves because ultimately it destroys contentment because there's these things that we want that we just aren't. And again, we either feel bad and we feel inferior to other people around us and who they are and what they have or what they've accomplished, and it becomes dangerous. And it's dangerous because it leads to the death of contentment. Second thought when we come to comparisons and why they're dangerous is recognizing that comparison just makes us prideful. makes us prideful. Jesus was talking one time about prayer and talking about what prayer looks like, and he goes on to tell this story about a Pharisee. A Pharisee was basically a religious leader of the day, or a a teacher, or a pastor type of an individual. And Jesus starts talking about this prayer that this guy was praying, and it's in Luke 18, and Jesus says the prayer goes like this. It says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. That guy is rather verbose and pompous. I did have to look both of those up, by the way. (laughs) Basically, it's like, I feel so much better about myself because of those guys. It makes me feel good that I never judge people like this guy does. Except for judging this guy like this guy does. And we probably do this way more often than we think. Where we look at a situation and we're like, I'm so glad I'm not like that. I'm so glad I'm better than that. You've, you've probably been in this scenario where, where you're walking through Walmart and you're nearing the toy aisle, and all of a sudden you hear the screaming and the banging and the commotion. And it sounds like the zombie apocalypse has started. And you're like, what on earth could that be? And so you walk around the corner and there's like a three and a half year old girl on the, on the ground. She's got crazy, wild eyes, and she's screaming. And you look at her eyes, and you, like, fear for your life. And she started that mantra of, I want this toy. I want it. And the mom's like, now, sweetie, we just got you a toy yesterday. Please? I want the toy, mom. I want the toy. And you're like, oh, boy. And the mom's like, we don't behave like this. I want the toy, right? And you're like, oh, my goodness. This kid has lost it. And like the mom's like, I'm going to start counting down now.
1: I want the toy, and the
0: mom's like, okay, 199, you're like, oh my goodness, and we watch this, and we're like, I can't believe this kid, like what kind of parenting is that, like somebody needs to come into that house, and teach some discipline in that home, these parents don't understand what they're doing, they're destroyed, man, we, we would never let our kids get away with that, that is literally only a true statement for people that don't have kids (laughs) or for those of us who have kids that are so old we don't remember what it's like to have a three and a half year old right? it's so easy to be like we would never parent like that or maybe we we look at another person and we're driving through the parking lot and we're like oh man they're smoking a cigarette don't they understand how bad that is for them don't they know better than that Come on, people. Don't they know a puff on that thing takes two minutes off? Don't they understand how horrible it is for their, for them? And then we pull up to the speaker, and we're like, yeah, I'll take a double bacon cheeseburger, fries, soda. <laughs> Supersize that for me. That'd be great. Smoking, what are they doing, right? And we get all prideful and full of ourselves, and we create this, this legalism. We create all these rules for other people, and we compare against it, and we're like, ha, <laughs> ha. Jeez. And we create these circumstances of situations where we're like, okay, I'm better than them. And as soon as we start doing that, we lead, it leads us into this some very absurd thinking where we create the rules for others and we hold ourselves to different levels and that comparison can create a real sense of pride and, and pride always sets us up for tremendous disaster, which is why it's so dangerous for you and I to compare. And then the last reason that it's dangerous for us to compare is that comparison makes us resentful. Last week, we talked a little bit about this guy by the name of Saul. He was the king of Israel, uh, and he started to feel threatened along the way about the up-and-coming guy named David who would eventually become the king. There's a story in 1 Samuel where the resentment really starts to build. It's right after David kills Goliath, this great big giant. The story goes like this. It says, When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. Oh, man, you know it's a party. They They got lutes! Anyway, okay, they got lutes. I don't even know what that is. As they danced, they sang. They sang this song. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry, this refrain galled him. Again, you know he's mad. He's galled. Galled. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. This is basically like a Super Bowl parade. Right? These guys are coming home from battle. Like, it was a big battle. It was with the Philistines. This is their, this is their arch rival, and they're coming home, and the people are celebrating, and it's a victory, and, and Saul decides that rather than celebrating the victory, rather than being grateful for what David had helped accomplish, rather than recognizing all that David had just done for him and for the entire nation, and, and David has a huge asset for Saul, and Saul decides that instead of being excited for that, he's just going to compare the credit that they're getting and who the people are acknowledging. And the result is that, that Saul's heart becomes resentful. And it ultimately leads to, to basically Saul's goal in life is to destroy David. And rather than focusing on being a king or all the other things, he's just intent on how does he destroy David. And it, it's what he does basically for the remaining, remainder of his life, is how do I get rid of this guy? And ultimately the kingdom becomes a mess and his family falls apart and, and he's really just a, a massive failure And a large contributor to the problem is the resentment that grows out of comparing himself to David and out of hearing the people compare him to David and this resentment begins to grow. And what happens is when you and I compare, we begin to resent God's goodness in other people's lives and we minimize God's goodness in our own lives. Every now and then I say something profound, and so when I do, I want to say it a second time, and that might have been one of them. When we compare, we resent God's goodness in other people's lives, and we minimize God's goodness in our own, and so it makes it super dangerous for you and I to compare because we miss out on what God has done in our lives, and we want to take away from what God has done in other people's lives. So what we have to do is we have to begin to work and we have to begin to discover and we have to begin to look and see how do we truly cut through the bull of comparison? How do we really get that out of our lives and how do we recognize that it is a serious problem? And How do we really overcome that? A couple of thoughts, a couple of things that if we can truly internalize these ideas, if we can really make them a part of the way that we live each and every day, if we can really make this a part of our understanding, it can begin to transform who we are ultimately helping us quit comparing, and so the first thought is this, is to really strive in our lives to discover what really matters. Again, the early leader of the church, Paul, wrote, wrote another letter, and the time that he wrote this letter that we're about to look at, he was under what's called house arrest. We all probably know what that is. Basically, he has to stay in his home. Can't go anywhere. His freedoms have all been restricted. He can't go where he wants to go. He can't do anything he wants to do. He basically just has to sit there, has to stay in his house, And under house arrest, this is what he writes. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul is basically saying, listen, I learned it. I learned how to be content, and content isn't something that just happens magically, and you and I can't be content if we continue to compare. And so both contentment and comparison, those have to be skills that we learn or getting past comparing. These are the things that we have to figure out. How do we learn these things? Because it won't just suddenly happen. It won't just magically be this moment where you don't care about the latest eye gadget. Or, or the best clothes, or the right car, or whatever. It's just not like you're going to magically wake up one day and be like, nah, I don't care. I, I'm not comparing anymore. It's something we have to learn, which means it's a process. And Paul is saying, listen, there's a secret to this. And I've learned how to get to that place of contentment, where I've moved beyond the trap of Comparing. And it might sound impossible, which is exactly why Paul said, I had to do it, and I can only do it through the strength that God gives me. That's the secret. The secret is it has to be through what God does in our life, and it takes time. And it requires you and I asking God, would you help me, God? Would you help me to discover what really matters in life? Would you help me find the things that I truly have to tie into and recognizing that I don't need to compare? and to begin to embrace what really matters. And what really matters in our lives are only those things that are going to last for eternity. So it's really not a problem for you to have a car that you love. It's really not a problem for you to have a car that, that's cool and you like it. and what, It's not a problem. The problem is, is that your car is going to have a shelf life. Regardless of what you paid for it, there's a shelf life on it. And so what truly matters is are we investing in Relationships? It's great to have a cool car are you investing in relationships on the side of that in addition to that because ultimately what matters and what lasts for eternity are people so it's not a problem again to have hip cool clothes and you probably if you say hip cool clothes you're probably not really after it but um, fashions change so fast you'll never be able to stay up with it but what is going to last forever is God's church not, not just this church God's church the worldwide church. So, so we can chase fashion, but more than that, we need to chase how do we help God's church do what it needs to do because God's church is ultimately what's going to last forever. And if you and I really want to cut through the bull of comparing, if you and I really want to get to a place where we find contentment, we have to begin to discover and begin to pursue what matters in life and begin to allow God to help us become content with what we have. And not constantly looking around and seeing what other people have and how, but just recognize what truly matters, what truly has value in life. And when we can begin to do that, it begins to bring an end to our need to compare. That's the first step. And then the second part is this, is that you and I need to begin to discover who we are designed to be. This is a critical concept if we're going to find success in this, if we're going to find our purpose in life. Because what you do and what you have and where you go, these aren't that important really. What's ultimately important in your life and in my life is for each of us to recognize we were designed to be in relationship with Jesus. And out of that relationship with Jesus, we were designed to then be able to discover who we are designed to be. And ultimately to understand who we are supposed to be and what God has designed us for. Paul wrote this in Ephesians. He said, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This idea of God's workmanship basically means you and I, we are constantly a work in progress. You and I are constantly being developed more and more by God. Which means he, when he was creating each of us, he had us in mind specifically what he wanted us to be and what he aimed for us to become in our lives. And in that process, as he was creating each of us, he gave each of us unique gifts and talents and abilities. And your combination of gifts and talents and abilities are specific to you. They're specific to you. And God realized that he desired to work in your life to help you understand how all of those things can be at their fullest. So ultimately, you could be exactly who God planned for you to be. Because when God looks at your life, he recognizes that he created you to be in some specific situations, those specific situations where you find yourself right now. And in those situations, when God puts us there, he put us there to represent his truth and to represent his love. And to do that, you have to be who God designed you to be if you're going to be able to accomplish what only you are able to accomplish, And so we have to begin to discover and begin to say, God, would you help me understand who you've designed me to be? And when you and I begin to discover who we've been designed to be, then it doesn't matter what other people's abilities are, or what other people's skills are, what other people's talents are. It doesn't matter. It's great. We can celebrate those things, but ultimately we recognize God has created me for something unique. So we don't have to compare ourselves. I don't have to wonder about these other pastors and whether they preach better than me or whether or not they have more people coming in or whether or not they it doesn't matter. I simply have to say, God, what have you created? What have you designed me to be? That's what I have to be. And so in your life and in my life, we have to stop comparing. We have to cut through the bull of that. Stop feeling bad about who we are and stop feeling good because we're superior in other areas and begin to recognize that life is better when we discover what really matters and when we begin to discover who we were designed to be. If you're here this morning and, and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, can I just challenge you and encourage you this morning to simply recognize it's a matter of you saying, Jesus, I recognize that you've died on the cross for me. I recognize that there's sin in my life. And we talk about sin essentially being any time we make a choice or take action or say words that break relationship with other people or break relationship with God. And so to enter into a relationship with Jesus, it's simply a matter of recognizing that he died on the cross to pay for the cost of your sin in your life. And say, Jesus, would you forgive me of those things? And then recognize that Jesus, three days later, after dying on the cross for you, rose from the dead so that you and I could have life. And so this morning, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with him, can I just invite you in your heart, in your mind, just to, just to say, Jesus, would you come into my life? I accept your forgiveness. I want to enter into a relationship with you. And if that's something that you're interested in, or maybe you're not sure, and you want more information on, on your Connect card, there's a place for you to just mark down that you're interested in a relationship with Jesus, and I'll send an email to you, and we can just start a, a dialogue about what that can be like. But every week we put in your uh, program these green connect cards These connect cards are a way for you to think through and process what you've heard this morning To really allow jesus to challenge you For you to be able to take those next steps that would allow you to begin to cut through the bowl of comparison So what is it for you? Maybe your next step this week is to uh, consider the areas that you tend to compare And those areas that have a negative impact on how you think Maybe your next step is to identify some situations where you are discontent, discontent, prideful, or resentful. Maybe your next step is to create a list of what you do have that really matters. And maybe your next step is to ask God to help you recognize who it is that he's designed you to be. Just challenge you to take whatever step it is that God is leading you to take. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. God, would you help us to recognize that there's just no value in comparing ourselves to others to what they have or don't have or what they do, but God, help us to recognize the value in life is to pursuing who you've called us to be and to understand what matters to you and allow that to become what matters to us. Thank you so much for all that you do in our lives and the way that you bless us and all that you've provided for us. God, help us to use those things to become who you've designed us to be. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. During this last song, some usher.